welcome to the Primo House Podcast. This is the podcast about house music, the genre, and news surrounding it. We are house music. I am your host, Roberta, and with me is Cami Garcia. Hello. And, of course, the Primo House DJs, Trey Garcia. Hola. Anthony Garcia. What up? Dorian Perez. Hi, guys. And the Primo House mascot, Miss Dottie Longbody. Thank you, everyone, again, for joining us once again for the Primo House podcast. So, our guest today is the man with the goods, Tommy Newman. Ooh. Welcome. Hey. How Thanks you doing? How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Tommy, uh, want to ask how you're doing and how's the shop and the staff? Um, the shop's going well. We, uh, we just started uh, doing curbside regularly. Nice. Um, we're doing that on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Very nice. Between 2 and 6 p.m. And so... It would have been easier to say you're not doing it on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> but um, the staff's doing well. I'm trying to get them as many hours as I can right now with everything that's going on. So um, you can... You can it, Right now, you can see them at the shop anytime you pick up an order, but um, we're also doing a, a food drive right now for the San Antonio Food Bank. And so for the food drive on Saturday, anybody can come between two and six just to drop off. Um, no browsing records or anything, but you know, it's a, a way to come in, say hi, see how you're doing, and, and uh, awesome. help out. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, unfortunately, when this airs, the food drive would have already taken place. So what we're going to do is just pimp that out this week on our social and uh, get that get the word out for you. Cool. <clears throat> Thank you. Excuse me. Very nice. <laughs> so uh, we have our topic that we talk about here and there, and today we're going to talk about what we're listening to today. So we're going to start with you, Tommy. What are you currently listening to? Um, for the past couple days, I've been listening to um, a lot of the old Wax Track stuff. Um, nice. So, like, My Life with the Girl Kill Cold, just kind of revisiting a lot of older industrial music that, um, that I haven't heard in a while. And then that sort of um, led to me listening to some newer uh, Cold Wave stuff, um, sort of like new wavy post-punk stuff and uh came across a band called ccfx um which is sort of a collaboration between a group named uh cc dust and another group that i i can't remember the name of the other one it's uh, i think it's trans effects and mm -hmm. uh, they're both out of olympia washington and um they got together to form CC Effects and they put out an EP and it's really good. It sounds um, it, really new wavy with a little bit of sort of punk angst. Nice. And, yeah, and then um, uh, there's also another cold wave group that I've been listening to called uh, Nuovo Testamento and they're kind of uh, pretty, pretty dark um, cold wave type stuff and it's kind of like a super group 
I can't remember all the the where all the members are from. I know one is from Sheer Mag, um, and they're really really good. I've been uh, kind of go going over one of their EPs and then another album that they just pressed that we actually sell at the shop. It's nice. good stuff. Yeah. Very nice. Um, normally I would go through the list, but I'm just gonna jump in for myself for because yeah. I actually been listening to the same kind of genre as well so uh, I have serious radio and uh, I've been listening to a lot of like new wave and there's a, a cure song that I didn't even know the lyrics or the actual title of the song is called uh, love cats and I you know I love cats and I was like oh god I've known <laughs> this song forever and I didn't even know that it's called love cats, I love cats. yeah so awesome. yeah, I've been dipping in there and some uh, darker stuff like some adult and some peaches and stuff like that. You know that the CC effects it sounds a lot like the Cure. Mm. If maybe they were given like a pep pill or something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so let's go on to Anthony. What have you been listening to, sir? This week I've been listening to DJ Dan's podcast uh, stereo damage he has a lot of great mixes on there the last few mixes i've listened to was jet x and then before that was dj dan and then what really started off was a mix from uh my good buddy uh Jonene. he did a mix for them uh, for dan as well so i've been pretty much listening to that for the past week or so very nice and what about you dorian Man, so I dove back into the 80s as well. Uh, there's this great American rock band by the name of Toto, and they have this awesome oh song called Africa. Oh my God. So actually, I've been listening to uh, the Global Underground mix series again. Uh, super old, uh, but Patrice Baumel came out with one, and uh, the GU42, and it's just really good to get into their, uh, their music, the, their, their selectors for sure. And Trey, what have you been listening to? Um, Super busy week at work, but we are releasing uh, a Primo House guest mix, and it's going to be Adam Madrigal. So I've been listening to that, um, checking out his track list, and I'm going to get that loaded tomorrow. By the time this airs, it will have been up, and we would have promoted it. But uh, yeah, just listen to Adam Madrigal, some new house tracks and some new disco on there. You know he gets down, so it's pretty funky. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And uh, what about you, Miss Cammie? Uh, y'all know me and my Spotify playlist. Um, so this one's going to be a little conversation, actually. Because um, you guys know I'm like always trying to figure out what's what with house music. So I've been listening to this playlist called Poolside Disco. So it's like new disco and it's house, but it's like the old school like groovy chicago house mixed with the like new school big room house Hmm. so like i like it and then there's that weird like i don't know it does something weird that like new school house does and like (laughs) kind of pulls me out of it but it was kind of cool to see like there's a strain that carries on over time because a lot of the big room stuff i listen to for some reason doesn't sound like uh, it doesn't right. sound like the old school style, um, so it's cool that it's that that's still living on. Very nice, very nice. Um, so everybody, thank you for your input, and we are going to take a commercial break. Hey everyone, Cami Garcia here. 
And if you haven't noticed, it's an election year, and so far, it's the weirdest one ever, in my opinion. <laughs> so I have my friend Misty Garcia here, and she's with me because she's a person that gets involved in everything she cares about. Uh, and one of those things is voter registration, so she's just going to help answer some questions. Why is it important to register early? Well, the big thing in Texas, you have to be registered 30 days before the election. Right. So for Texas, to be the cutoff date is October 5th to vote in the November 3rd election. So, but that's getting your application in, right? Mm -hmm. So you still need time to like get your application, fill it out, potentially go mail it or drop it off. And then we're also seeing like uh, delays with the post office. Um, I don't really know what's happening there, but you don't want to wait till the last day and like risk not getting your mail submitted but like the big thing is like you can't wait until November right like you have it has to be approved like before 30 days before yeah so it's something that we should be looking at like right now yeah I wouldn't even wait till October that's gets too risky so I, there's another thing I wanted to clarify like other states because of the pandemic they are doing uh mail-in ballots but Texas like we're not doing that that is correct uh, the global pandemic is not a reason uh, to allow somebody to mail-in vote. You, you, there's only four ways that you can be uh, approved for that here in Texas, and that's you're over 65, you're like sick or disabled and can't physically go vote, uh, you're in jail, or if you're out of town during the election and early voting. Uh, so how does somebody get registered? I guess the best way is to fill out an actual voter registration form, which you get from like your voter registration office. You can see them at post offices. Um, if you actually have really any like uh, really politically active friends, they might be voter registrars. So that means that they're legally allowed to like help people register to vote, and they might have little uh, stacks of official voter registration um, papers in their car or something. Um, yeah. Uh, if and if. If you're not really going out and about, you can also download a, a form. Um, the t site that we talked about earlier, votetexas.gov, they have a form that you can uh, fill out and download. Um, this one is a little less official. It, it's it's informal. The only difference is, is that it takes longer to process. So you definitely can't be waiting until the last minute. Um, you can't be waiting until like the October 5th deadline that I mentioned earlier. Right. Is there anything else that you think we need to add in there? No, I don't think so, but I think it's definitely good to be talking about this now, right? Like, so if you're listening to this, don't be like, oh, well, I'll check tomorrow or the next day because we, we know how that will get put yeah. for, pushed further and further back. Like, go check right now, votetexas.gov, uh, see if you're registered, and then uh, take the next steps to make sure that you can uh, have a say in our election in, in November. Yeah, absolutely. So. There's a lot of good information on that website, too. So, you know, whatever questions you may have, there's phone numbers, addresses, whatever it is that you need, it's all there. All right. Thanks so much, Misty. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Catch you later. And we're back. Why don't you take it away, Miss Kimmy? All right. Uh, so this is going to be a pretty like open forum sort of interview. So everybody, feel free to reach in and add on when add your own stories as we go. Um, but so in episode two, we talked about Mike Huckabee and how he was considered a tastemaker because he would create bags of records for DJs and they would just not even look through it they would just take it he is given a lot of credit for creating the sound of the area and of the time Tommy <laughs> uh, I know that you do the, something pretty similar for a lot of your friends you just pick out stuff for them and give it to them um, and I'm wondering like I mean you DJed before I mean you still DJ uh, and then you opened the record shop like why did you feel I don't know. I'm, why did you open the record shop? Was there a re an altruistic reason for it, or was it just you know to make money? <laughs> well, 
Well, so uh, it definitely wasn't to make money. So, that, <laughs> that, and that has uh, that has remained the case. But um, the reason I opened it is because I had been, so you know, I got my degree um, in philosophy, and I went on to get a master's, and then I decided I don't really want to teach, and that's pretty much all you can do with a philosophy degree. I had waited tables for like 15 years, and um, that's not where I wanted to go with, you know, the, the direction of my life. And so, um, not not that you know, I, I loved waiting tables. I just it it wore a little thin on me. And so um, I thought about what I really enjoy doing, and most of the time I'm listening to music, and uh, I really love record collecting. I always have. Um, I've been listening to records since I was about three or four years old. And, and so, um, all the sort of the, the culmination of that was the record shop. And, um, yeah, I didn't quite know what I was doing at first. And sometimes I still don't, but, um, it luckily came together and, and has been doing okay. And so, you know, I've, I've always love sharing music with people as well. And so for that, you know, the record store is kind of a no brainer. Do you think that, cause I know each record shop kind of has their little niche, like their little genre that they mainly sell. Did you think that, you know, not only were you meeting a market, but celebrating or supporting your scene? Did you think, did you take that into consideration? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of like supporting the house music scene um i i've been a dj since i was about 16 and um started with breakbeats and then got into house and uh have been playing house really as a you know uh as a pastime for a long time and so that was also kind of just a no-brainer for me that there, there's not really i mean uh hogwild will carry Hogwild records will carry some house music um but you know outside of what they have there really wasn't a whole lot of options for people in terms of house music so uh, I took a look at who still distributing house music and um you know there's a few here in the U.S. and a few in, in the U.K. and I hooked up with them and and uh and decided to start buying new house, uh, which is kind of tough these days because of sites like, uh, you know, Juno M3, Beatport, um, TrackSource. Uh, a lot of people are, are really sticking to MP3s, and, th and that's fine, but that doesn't leave a lot of room for records, um, and, and a lot of people don't buy house music records. So... Um, so it's kind of a gamble, but it's paid off. I mean, I, I think people enjoy coming into the shop, listening to house music, finding new cuts that they wouldn't have found anywhere else. Um, some of the records we carry, you can't find on TrackSource or Beatport or any of those places. Um, so it's a nice uh, option for people to have, I think. Sorry, I remember all the time leading up to the opening of the shop, right? 2015, we were Deep South Collective. We were out promoting Southtown Vinyl. Um, and then the launch was amazing. And I think the years 
leading up till now to COVID, right? I wanted to talk a little bit about one. Did you take anything from some of the larger scale uh, record shops around in the nation, right? Think of like a gramophone and uh, some of the spots in Houston. Did you talk to any of those guys or did you just kind of take some lessons learned from them? Yeah, I mean, so early on, uh, I brought on a guy, Gabe Garza, um, who I had been buying records from at Hogwab when I was, you know, 17, 18. And uh, I knew he had worked there and I was working at Blue Star as a waiter and he was working in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started sort of forming this idea, I, I knew he had some experience in record sales. So, um, you know, I brought him on board. He was he was more than happy to, to be a part of it. Yeah, that dude knows music, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's got really... Uh, He's got knowledge of really esoteric things that, that not a lot of people do. And um, and he's a good guy. So so I thought I'll bring him on board. And we did a little bit of traveling to, you know, to like Josie Records and mm-hmm. uh, Dallas. Dallas and like uh, Vinyl Dreams in San Francisco. Yeah, I went to Vinyl Dreams in San Francisco. I met uh, Mike B, who's, oh, who's yeah. the owner there and uh, a, a really good DJ, but also uh, a tastemaker. I mean, that guy, I, I, I remember going there and I, I just said, you know, why don't you just pick up like five records that, that you love? And and I bought them from him right there. And then I went, I played uh, some show at the 1010. I don't remember which one. It, I, I think I was... 1015? Uh, I mean, the 1011. Oh, here in town. Yeah, here, here in, in town. town. Yeah, and I was, I was uh, opening for... Um, brett johnson and i i swear to god the records that i played i had never heard before in san antonio but after i played them i heard a lot of people play them and that's Mm. sort of what what a a good record store owner can do you know you can he's a a tastemaker and and uh i don't know that i'm quite at that level but i do know that when people come in um if they're if I know them a little bit, I've heard them play a little bit. I know what they're gonna like, um, and so if I have records, yeah, I know yeah. they're gonna like. You know, it's done it for me. Yeah, yeah. I think something important to point out is you mentioned about um, these sites where people can find, you know, records. But what's uh, special, unique about you is that as a owner, you build relationships with distributors. And so that's uh, really important to point out to people that are shopping for vinyl. They should go to somebody like you because you're going to be getting um, almost like a special pick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have uh, quite a few actually uh, distributors for for house and each one of them uh, knows what I want and they know what my customers want. And so um, I when I. Uh, correspond with them through email I'll tell them you know hey I have a lot of people that are you know digging new disco right now can you send me some really good new disco stuff um, and and it always works out uh, people tend to really scoop up quick whatever they uh, whatever they send me there's a guy uh, Simon Lee from a, a group called phase action a house music group um, and he's uh, my guy at Juno and so you know, he he kind of knows 
what everybody's buying at any given time. So he'll he'll make a lot of recommendations. I'll check them out and buy them from him. And it's always a sort of a home run. So people can buy the hot fire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, but I also, I remember going into the shop a couple of times and uh, besides the, the enormous amount of records that you have inside of there, uh, you also have a lot of music production stuff. So I remember going in and you were, you had a Torres, Torres, when it was, yeah, Torres, when it was brand new and you had these two speakers hooked up to it and you were like, go for it, man, like try it out. So I went up there, started messing around. I was like, I really, really want this. And it was the first time that I was like, (laughs) man, like, you know, like it was was the first time that, you know, not even Guitar Center had it. Nobody had it to just sit there and and play with. And I was just like, man, this is great. That was like eye opening to have that type of stuff out for anybody to get their hands on. Yeah, absolutely. I I think uh, part of going to a record store is being able, you know, records in general are, are tactile. You know, there are things you can hold and things that, you know, you kind of develop a little bit, a little bit of a relationship with them. And, and so I think the store should serve as an extension of that, not just in terms of records, but in terms of music production gear, in terms of DJ gear, you want to be able to play with whatever it is you're interested in buying. Right. And, um, myself, I'm, I'm, kind of what you call like a gear slut. I, I really <laughs> love I love playing with new a gear. Gear a guy slut. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy playing with new gear that comes out, um, testing it, uh, samplers, Eurorack modular, drum machines, everything. And so uh, since we do have the sort of... Uh, niche of being a, a, a DJ's store um, pioneer for me was a no-brainer um, because you know they sell CDJs and they have the turntables the PLX 1000s and and so I developed a pretty good relationship with that distributor and um, they sort of tipped me off hey we're coming out with some new gear we've got the Torres coming out we've got the uh, AS1 coming out which is a monosynth and um, and so I scooped that stuff up pretty quick. But the thing about the the music gear is it's really, really, really expensive, and it moves really, really, really slowly off the shelves. Uh, right. Since right. since we're not like a dedicated you know synthesizer or mm-hmm. electronic music shop, um, so I've sort of uh, stepped back from doing that, uh, especially with the you know the covid uh happening yeah. we're trying to just reduce it to things that uh, are easy to sell that people you know but you as Southtown vinyl are a, an approved distributor for pioneer right we are uh-huh yeah yeah so cdj 2000s uh turntables mixers uh we we can get all that stuff right on yeah, Tommy, uh, I know that, I don't know if you're ready to talk about it or not, but um, I think you and I offline one point had talked about the idea of you looking at a, a label. I know you had done some stuff with Sunshine Jones in the past. Uh, is that something you're willing to talk about now? Are you ready to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I can talk just a little bit about it. Um, I, I, I did create a label. It's called Ghost Tracks, and um, 
I'm sort of weighing my options with it right now. There's a lot of house music labels, and I do love house music, but I ha- I don't see a ton of uh, sort of down tempo mm-hmm. uh, stuff coming out on vinyl uh, in terms of like singles that DJs can play. Um, it's out there certainly, but I just don't see a ton of it, and I think that might be the direction that I take the the record label in. Very nice. And is that uh, tracks like ZKS or X? Oh, T-R-A-C-K-S. Oh, right on. You spelled it right? It would have been cooler if it was an X and a Z or something. Well, and I, I, I sort of did it as an homage to the to the ghost tracks that we used to have here in San Antonio. Uh, Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm going to make one called Ghost Tracks with an X. Be my record label. X, X, I can tell you exactly how much your website is going to cost. <laughs> so that's already out there? Oh, yeah, it's out there. It's going to cost you a few grand if you want it. Jeez. Fuck those guys. Mine has a Z in it. Then. <laughs> um, so we've been talking a lot about analog versus digital lately. Um, and that's so funny that you were talking about like a tangible, tactile. So when it comes to um, people who collect records and maybe people who make produce music in a more analog fashion, I mean, do we see a lot of overlap there? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. It, it just really goes back and forth all the time. So um, in terms of at least music production, um, there's been a big push for analog uh, in the past, I'd say, like, five to ten years um people have been doing analog since analog uh euro rec since are really popular right now um but you have uh equipment coming out now that's really big on like fm synthesis and like digital synthesis so it seems like the tide is sort of uh turning uh back Mm -hmm. to digital now and and it's just, it's, I think it's always been like that, like an ebb and flow. Um, you know, there were old synthesizers in the 80s that were all digital and they were the new thing and everybody loved them. Uh, like the, the DX7 uh, synthesizer was a huge sound and it's on probably most of any of the songs that you like in the 80s. And then there's... And the Moog stuff transcends the decades. and Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so... Yeah, after, so you had Moog, and then after Moog, you had, uh, like, all the digital stuff come out, and then recently it's gone back to analog, and then now it seems like it's heading back to digital, and so um, it's, I think it's really just user preference. I think the trends, the music trends kind of drive a lot of that, right? I don't, I don't know which came first, but I did want to ask you about your experience. So you have a lot of modular equipment, some synths, and... Uh, we do like to consider this show to be a little bit of an education for some people. So maybe they don't understand like what it means to produce some tracks and maybe they don't understand what it means to, to do a live PA. Right. And I know you have experience with that. So can you tell us a little bit without getting too much into the equipment, just tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah. yeah so, so basically uh, the difference is going to be, you know, it all boils down to any, any sort of electronic um, music is made with, with that, with electricity. Right. And so whether, you know, if that electricity, if you send that through, (laughs) if you you send an electrical wave through a a microchip, right, um, and you put your synthesizer on that microchip, essentially, right, 
And what comes out the other end is going to be electronic and it's going to be digital. Now, if you send that same electrical signal into a series of um, um, oscillators, which are, you know, just manipulate the, the electricity, uh, filters ma manipulate the electricity and all these different things, that's analog. What's coming out is still electronic on the other end. Um, main difference is you can't touch the things that are on a microchip, right? So the things in the microchip that are manipulating the electricity, you cannot, you, you ha may have some control over them, but you don't have full control over them. You can't just turn a knob and do a filter sweep. You mm -hmm. may be uh, pressing a lever to do it or, or whatever, but um, really it's, it, it's, or using patches as well, right? Or using, yeah, patches which are sort of pre-made sounds that you can do on a digital synth. Um, you can't sort of, so like on a synthesizer, if I maybe like a sound that's patch one, anytime I want to hear that sound, I could just go to patch one. If I like patch three, I can just type, mm -hmm. you know, patch three. Um, you can't do that with, analog gear because that requires, you know, making a patch with analog gear re requires um, if it's Eurorack, then it requires plugging a uh, cable from one uh, receptacle to another. Um, if it's just, if it's like a Moog synthesizer, then uh, that requires you to make sure all the knobs are in a certain position. And that's a patch, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of debate uh, debate between people who prefer digital versus uh, analog. I like them both. I think they're both a lot of fun and uh, really endless fun. Um, but I, I guess when it comes to gear, what all that gear has in common is it's outside of the box is what they call it. So it's not uh, pressing buttons on the computer, which is fine if you enjoy doing that. Personally, I, I think it's a little bit more fun to tweak knobs and, you know, uh, and, and so that's what I do. But um, that's, you know, that's where I'm at. I, I just really enjoy warm analog sound and, and digital FM synthesis and oh, yeah, working yeah. outside of the box and, and just, you know, like a mad scientist. Yeah, I remember uh, Matthew Deere had an interview uh, using his synthesizer setup and he was like, I love doing this. But I also hate it because I can't ever get back to where I was. If I hear a sound that I right. like, I don't remember where my presets were at. He's like, so what I do is I just set a recorder, record everything and let it go. And if I like something, then I'll clip it out and then I'll reuse that in a song. But until then, he's like, sometimes it'll take me a year to get back to where I was in a certain preset. I'm like, holy cow, man, that's that's insane to think about. Funny. It can be real tough. The one person that I've seen really pull off. Uh, a live show that incorporates uh, those sort of patches that are that are difficult to recreate is uh, my buddy Sunshine Jones. Yeah. And oh I, yeah. I, I think yep. most of you guys have, have seen him. Oh yeah. Live and he's oh, yeah. able to. I couldn't do what he does. I can't. I can't recreate my patches as efficiently as he does. Um, but there are sort of um, uh, importantly with the Eurorack stuff, which is uh, kind of what what I imagine uh, Matthew Deere would use. 
completely different, but uh, Radiohead has this, this keen ability to recreate a lot of their patches as well, or the sounds that they do. Man. Yeah, I was watching uh, one of their, I don't know if it was a live set that they did on and, and put on YouTube uh, for the whole COVID oh, wow, thing, wow. or if it was recorded before that, but I saw them do a whole live show, and I thought, well, they must be using samplers to to recreate you know these these really uh, intricate parts of their songs because I couldn't imagine making each one of those patches on the fly for the, a lot of the electronic sounds that they use. I mean, mm -hmm. they, those guys are pros, though. Right, you know, right. I mean, they're out of this world, dude. Funny story about Matthew Deer. Uh, it was after movement. One of my buddies was leaving Detroit, so he's in the airport in Detroit, and he sees Matthew Deer coming out of like a gift shop, and he's like. Holy shit, Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews. Oh, my God. <laughs> and dude, Matthew Deere, he probably just finished playing a six-hour set for three days straight. You know what I mean? And he just looks at him. My buddy's like, holy shit, Dave Matthews. And it, Matthew Deere was pissed, dude. Like, he was just like, get the yes. fuck out of my face. Oh, man. <laughs> Hashtag crash into me. All right. Well, let's take a quick commercial break, break. and we'll be right back. For more information about the podcast and the Primo House DJs, visit primohouse.com. Thanks for checking out Primo House Podcast with Cami Ray, Roberta Rinali, Anthony Garcia, Trey Garcia, and Dorian Perez. This is what San Antonio culture is about. My name is Rick Latta. I run Sprout Sessions. You can catch some mixes that we've accumulated over the years at over on our Mixcloud page at Sprout Sessions. Thanks for everything you do to make house music what it is. Without the listeners, the dancers, it's nothing. And we're back. So we are going to jump into the lightning round uh, section of our podcast. Lightning round. And Tommy, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. So I just need you to give me a lightning round answer. Are you with me? Indeed. All right. Okay, here we go. So question number one. If you're stuck on an island, pick an album that you get to take with you. Uh, anything by Radiohead. Um, what was the first record that you bought? Um, I think it was T for the Tillerman. Um, let's see. Most important, important lightning round question. What is your social security number? <laughs> <laughs> Just real quick. Don't think about it. <laughs> Uh, what's, what's your favorite, favorite curse word? Fuck. Wow. What is your most commonly used emoji? The sunglasses guy. <laughs> it is. Um, what is the shittiest gig you've ever played? You and not including weddings, bar mitzvahs, etc. Like a gig. Um, and you can mention names if you want to. It was an old place called Reverb Lounge on Avenue B in the late 90s. <laughs> and what is the most popular DJ that you've actually opened up for? Um, shit, I don't know. Uh, Steve Loria, maybe? So many. 
<laughs> and the last question, what are your hours operation at South Town Bible? <laughs> right now, they're 2 to 6 p.m. Uh, every day except for Tuesday and Thursday. Nice. <laughs> Wonder where you got that idea from. Yeah. <laughs> well, can I get a free record out the deal? <laughs> no, man, I don't expect anything free from you. you. Dude, you have been so supportive of Roberta and me, Anthony and me, and Dorian, and I just truly appreciate everything dude we love the shop south town vinyl uh we love you guys all your staff are just fucking very knowledgeable um so thank you for the continued support bro glad to have you on the show thank you thanks for having me on yeah and before we end uh were there any uh plugs or anything besides you mentioning the hours is there anywhere that uh people can shop online Yes. Yeah, they can go to uh, www.southtownvinyl.com and we is that have two uh, W's or three W's. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> is that two W's or three W's? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I know that you can get pre-orders on there uh, for anything new that's coming out. We have a huge selection of stuff on there. Right on. Very nice. And Dorian, what are we plugging? Hi guys. Hey, Cammy, what are we plugging today? <laughs> uh, we have a website, primohousemusic.com. Check out our show notes for the podcast, and we have links to things and the people that we discuss here. Um, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud. Tell all your friends to subscribe. Um, and, of course, check out our DJ mixes on SoundCloud. Um, we're regularly releasing uh, our own mixes and guest mixes. Lovely, and uh, thank you again, Tommy. We so appreciate you taking the time to meet with us, chat with us, and give our love to Danielle, man. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Have a wonderful time.